Hello and welcome to Board Stupid, the podcast that loves talking tabletop board games, D&D and other awesome stuff. I'm Wayne. Hi, I'm Simon. We're just a couple of nerds talking about the things we love that are worth geeking out over. So Simon, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. And if you guys are ready, let's dive into this week's episode. This week, we played Fallout. We played as a series where we talk about an epic board game that we played this week. And this week, it's the post-apocalyptic, radroach-crushing, nuka-cola-drinking, jet-huffing, all-history 1950s video game IP, Fallout. In this episode, we'll be diving into the things we liked and breaking down the elements that make it great. Because at the end of the day, we only play awesome games at Board Stupid, and Fallout is rad. (laughs) Uh, that's funny because it's radiation i know oh god released in 2017 plays one to four players Uh, estimated time is between 120 and 180 minutes which seems long but feels reasonable um i'd rather they overestimate than underestimate things with you Mm -hmm. designed by andrew fisher and nathan hajek and principal art by the same guys along with a, a team of artists based very much upon the uh the ip if you've ever played or are familiar with the fallout series Published by Fantasy Flight Games, one of the more well-known and bigger publishers of, of board games. They have quite a lot of IPs. They've also done Eldritch Horror, um, Star Wars Rebellion, and a, a bunch of other stuff. Fallout is a post-nuclear adventure board game based on the video game series, currently owned by Bethesda. Played in scenarios, each one is inspired by a story from the franchise. So the survivors or the players will begin the game on the edge of an unexplored landscape, uncertain of what awaits them as they travel through it. With just one objective initially to guide them at the start, each player must explore the hidden map, fight enemies, and level up their survivor as they attempt to complete quests and ally with the feuding factions within the game. So let's start as we always do, so talking about the components and art design. How do you feel about the component quality and art design of Fallout? This is a really cool setup, man. I'll, uh, I'll drop my ghoul voice for now. So <laughs> I'll throw back to Fallout 3's bartender ghoul that I always enjoyed mimicking. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's just such an easy voice to drop into. Uh, yeah, really cool setup. Um, it kind of reminded me slightly of the Wasteland Express board setup in that you've got um, hexagonal tiles which tessellate together entirely at random or in certain in certain setups. Uh, it's scenario driven, but when you have so you have some fixed locations, but then the rest are sort of blank on the back so they're sort of a generic back with a terrain on the other side. Yeah, the other so side. You, you kind of and then. Um, so you've also got that kind of room exploration from Nemesis that I'm familiar with. So as you move about the map, you're finding out more about the environment you're in. So it's kind of a blind journey to start with, it, which is really cool. Um, Two kinds of tiles, which I guess um, indicates the general level of danger, the red and green ones, um, with the generic back and the front is kind of segmented, kind of like Wasteland Express, where you have um, travel segments within each hex. Yes, there's somewhere between, I suppose, three and five or six uh, areas within each hexagon tile. Um, Each one counts as a space of movement. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it takes a little while to get across the board, but it's not a massive terrain. Um, We covered most of that game within kind of four or five moves or turns each. We'd, We'd explored and spread out across the the wasteland as had been set up for us. Yeah, I think the art design for these hexes, and like I said, it's not really a traditional board as such, 
it's very much inspired by and lives very close to Fallout, the ball, uh, the video game. And it's something that I think we're going to end up referring to quite a lot in this review of the game is how closely they managed to replicate and sort of give you that that feel of the of the video game series. Yeah, hundred percent. They they very much pulled out that that style and that design ethic and managed to put it down on cardboard and plastic. And I think they did a, a really good job of it. Um, as you say, the art design on the tiles is is very consistent with the the overall Fallout universe. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got very familiar looking uh, terrain with the broken rock and grubland. You've got abandoned towns and villages sort of uh, like a wreckage of like 1950s cars and yeah, stuff like that you're yeah. right your iconic situations like the obviously the the vaults themselves you've got your super duper mart in there mm-hmm. the raider camps mm-hmm. um we played the fallout four scenario so we had uh, the cit ruins downtown boston and so on mm-hmm. um each um not every single tile i think there's some more kind of wasteland type but uh, a lot of the tiles had a significant uh item or area of interest that you'd visit um, which would allow you to do one of various different uh, activities other elements in this game so you have the thing that yeah this is the thing that really um which uh, simon's holding up for me is the special board it's kind of like the player board everyone has their own player board and this for me is probably what makes the game sing and gives it that fallout flavor probably more than anything else yeah it's a a kind of a replication of the pit boy that you wear on your arm in the computer games um it's very simple really you've got your your special so your your seven main abilities that you have in any fallout game so strength perception endurance charisma intelligence agility and that all-important luck point yeah luck stats Um, you start with two of these and then you have the opportunity as you level up to uh, fill in until you get potentially at higher levels a complete special mm-hmm. um, means that you can do a lot of your skill checks uh, with some ease and some rerolls. We'll cover the, the mechanics a bit later. Um, other than that, you've got your XP tracker, which is eight points per level. And then at the bottom left, you've got your rads and the bottom right, you've got your HP. So they start at opposite ends. And hopefully never the twain shall meet. Otherwise, um, well, you know, you might you might find yourself not not feeling so hot. Not feeling so hot. Yeah, so quite right. And then you have three spaces on the Pip Boy to track certain statuses that you may get during the game. And again, all um, very evocative of the video game series. You'll be well rested. You will end up vilified or idolized, or might end up with addictions, etc. And you'll track all that on your Pip Boy player board. This is great, and it also sort of houses several of the mechanisms in the game. Um, it houses your equipment. It houses your HP. It houses your um, irradiated status, your XP tracking, the amount of rerolls that you get. Um, very cool. Very simple. Uh, but nicely made and what, what do you call it double layered so um, everything fits in and with these nice plastic pegs which allow you to sort of track and you'd move your plastic pegs up to see how far along you are yeah the, the moving of the plastic peg is kind of a, an old 80s style game it reminds me of where you, you pick yeah. up and pluck down your, your little uh, your tracking peg but incredibly satisfying something quite mechanical and 
Yeah. Um, it's a very tactile but, process. Yeah, ta- very tactile is the word I was looking yeah. for, for sure. Uh, along with the game, you also get uh, five, I think five or six, I think it's six minis. You get six minis, each representing a certain type of uh, wastelander or survivor in the post-apocalyptic world that you're in. Uh, the minis are fairly good quality, although in my version you can't tell because I did an absolutely horrendous job trying to paint them. But um, they are very much evocative of types of characters that you might meet in the video game series, such as the Brotherhood of Steel outcast. Yeah, you've you've got all the classics in there. Your super mutant, your uh, lone traveler, as they were called in one version, or your your the vault dweller. Vault dweller, yeah, the ghoul. The ghoul in the waistcoat, which is why I, why I reverted to that voice because it reminded me of the barkeep. Um, you've got one of the, uh, I think one of them's based on Piper from Fallout Four. I think so. It's just like a generic the, kind of the, the beret and the the nice red uh, trench coat. Um, yeah, yeah, look pretty cool. Yeah, um, you get your pick. Each comes with its own little starting setup, uh, which will give you uh, benefits or potentially drawbacks. So as a ghoul, I uh, started off as vilified. Mm-hmm. For some reason, people don't like me. I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that my skin's falling off. It kind of, yeah, people don't treat me so good. Um, and that can play into the uh, the certain scenarios that you that you'll get described. It'll say yeah. if this, then something. So if yeah. you're a super mutant and you wander into town, people will treat you differently than if you're a guy from a vault. Correct. It's very clever, and we'll get into that a little bit later about how your character has an impact on the world and how the world reacts to your character. Along with your minis um, and your custom setup, there are also some custom dice. So three nicely made, and I love me some custom dice with very specific sides, which is essentially a abstraction of the VATS system in Fallout. Yeah, I'd never seen a set of dice quite like this. They are very nice to look at, a, a black background with a very, very lurid green, I suppose, reminiscent of that radiation type mm. brightness. Um, each depicting a basic outline of a body uh, and then either highlighting the legs, torso, arms, or head section, sometimes a combination of uh, more than one of those pieces. Yep. Uh, and certain sides will have a little pip or a star also denoted on there. Um, it's a fun little combination. It works out both in combat any damage you're doing and the specific area that you're targeting, and then also any damage that's coming back to you. And it's also used in, in certain other skill check mechanics, which we'll cover shortly. Yeah, um, really cool little dice, uh, good quality, and yeah, very unique. Like I said, I do like me some custom dice. You have a few different stacks of cards. You have essentially an item shop or an asset shop. You have uh, some perk cards, again, reminiscent from the from the video game series. Yeah, the perks are really cool. They are lifted directly from, as I say, the, the main Fallout series of games. You've got stuff like Sniper and um, the Dungeon Del... Oh, no, it's not Dungeon Del... Get out, get out of D&D for an episode, <laughs> will you, um, Fortune Finder, where you can find yeah. more caps. And Grim uh, Weaver is something else. We should mention the caps. They're literally... Yeah. Li- um, they're, not, they're not metal caps, but they are cardboard caps. Um, denoting a currency in the game so you've got uh, red for ones and then the quantum for the fives yeah essentially coca-cola bottle caps but nuka-cola bottle caps for your for your currency and yeah shaped exactly like it cut out and punched that way yeah yeah, really cool nice little addition actually and again um, just another element that adds to the flavor of the game Um, and then you have a massive stack of cards called i suppose called the adventure deck or the story deck which we'll cover in more detail later but that is a wonderful engine of this game um, very clever and very well written. The rules are very good. Again, in that f- sort of common fantasy flight setup that they have nowadays, where they have one sort of 
rule book to get you going. You read all of that and you can explain all of the main points of the game and then you can get started. Then as rules interactions come up during the game, you would then look at the rules reference guide to see what a certain keyword means or how certain things act in, in more detail. It's a bit hit and miss depending on the kind of game that they do it for, but in this game it worked pretty well, I thought. Yeah, I didn't see any any drawbacks to this setup. Um, as always, you're my games master, so I largely look to you rather than the rule books themselves. But it mm. seems like a very straightforward setup, having, as you say, that that quick access, get going, yeah. and then the the more detailed reference guide if you need to double check exactly how something interoperates. Yeah, the only thing missing from this game is uh, player player aids. Um, I'm always a fan of player aids, and I feel like that's a, an oversight. Um, even just a simple one with what you can do on your turn would have been useful because it's not a huge amount of list of things but a nice little reminder of what those things do and how they interact would have been good so let's go into the core mechanics of the game Simon, how do you win Fallout? It's kind of a variation on the victory point system um, in that you earn cards which denote a certain amount of influence that you gain in the game world these aren't necessarily a a single this card is worth so much Um, they're mostly a variant of uh, this is worth so much based on a varying criteria in the game. So mm-hmm. the one we had, um, as I say, we we're in the Fallout 4 setting. So we had the Railroad versus the Institute and they each have their own little progress track. And the influence cards that you pick up throughout the game, at least the ones I found, I didn't actually manage to get that many. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this is worth so much influence depending on how far ahead on the track one is over the other. It kind of encourages so, you to then ally with one of those factions and push their agenda if possible. Yeah, so you can focus down one route, try and try and develop the track of the one that you're focused on, and then you'll get you'll increase your multiplier, which is quite cool. You'll get dealt one of these at the beginning of the game, which will give you your sort of first initial foray into the wasteland. And uh, as Simon says, you've got ones which will encourage you to ally with a certain faction. Alternatively, you can do things such as making sure that the wasteland is explored or fully explored some which will reward you with additional influence if you have all of your special filled in and some which will give you um, additional influence if you have a certain amount of armor or a certain amount of caps so when you start the game you will either get ones which will encourage you to, to ally with a faction or you'll get ones which will be more sort of individual and sort of stuff oriented yeah that allows a lot of flexibility in the way you approach the game you might not necessarily want to play it in a certain way based purely on the first card that you get um so you go off and you start doing the main quest missions which will also provide you with further influence cards so then you can pick up something perhaps more to your your liking and your game style so yeah you'll win the game by getting x amount of influence points and it's kind of a point race system as opposed to um, who has the most points at the end of a certain uh period so whoever gets to the required level of points first they say on their turn that they've revealed they reveal that they have that amount of points and then they win the game anyone else that also has the requisite amount of points can at the same time uh, reveal their influence markers uh, their influence cards and then you can sort of uh, sort of share a joint victory um it's one of the things that i'll talk about at the end of this uh, review that i found sort of relatively unsatisfying the rest of the game i thought was fantastic but the, the game ending can be um a little bit abrupt but the influence cards themselves, pretty cool system. It gives you objectives and it helps you, like in the game, probably you would ally with one of the major factions. Yeah, yeah, it works works quite well. As you say, up to the ending, I, I couldn't I couldn't judge how far ahead anyone else was. I knew I had fewer influence cards overall, but mm-hmm. I had no way. Mentally, it was my first time playing, but I couldn't really gauge 
how far into the game overall we were. Yeah, because the, the influence is hidden information, the amount of influence that you have. Yeah. yeah. Once you have your initial objective, your influence card, uh, you'll get to do two things on your turn, essentially. And uh, those two things are, well, the first one that you can do, which we'll go into, is move. And you can spend one of your two actions to move. And when you move, that will give you two movement points. And you can use each one to move one segment through the wasteland. Yeah, fairly straightforward uh, option there. Um, immediately, there's a drawback if you are in the Brotherhood of Steel and their heavy armor, you only get one point of movement each time you take the move action. So on your turn, if you choose to move twice, you'll only be able to move two individual spaces. Mm -hmm. Any other character, because they get two movement points per action of move, they'll be able to move up to four spaces. So they'll be able to travel faster. Obviously, they don't have the benefit then of anything that the power armor gives you as the mm. Brotherhood of Steel member. Other things that might interact with your movement are the types of terrain that you encounter. So you have red-bordered terrain on each of the hexes, or some of the hexes, and that costs you two movement points to move into. So that's slightly more difficult terrain to move around. Other terrain that you might encounter is irradiated terrain, which are green-bordered, and when you enter that terrain, you will take rads. Also on your turn, you can explore, and to explore basically means to flip over one of the next... Hex, hex tiles uh, next to your survivor. Yeah, so if you've covered the current tile that you're on and you're on the edge of the next unrevealed one, one of your options is to explore that and you do literally flip it over. Um, most of them will have a beastie of some kind on mm -hmm, them. Mm -hmm. um, so you'll find out the status and position of that as you go. Um, and then yeah, if you have movement left, you can then move on to the tile. Otherwise, you, you've explored it you know what's ahead of you for your next turn or anyone else that's nearby will now also be able to move on to that on their turn. You could also, on your turn, initiate a fight. So uh, when you have flipped over that particular tile and it has spawned a beastie on there, you can then go onto the tile and use one of your remaining actions, if you have one left, to then initiate a fight with that beastie. The only um, difference in that particular rule is if the enemy tile so the type of enemy that's on the uh, on the hex is aggressive it will automatically attack you and you don't have to spend an action to do it so let's quickly talk about fighting and combat and how that works so i thought this was a pretty fun system yeah i agree the uh there's a few varied tiles there's not a vast number i think there's only maybe eight of each type so, something like that yeah um you've got ones that are denoted by a bug um so that's your kind of lower level stuff like blood wings your rad roaches uh, bloat flies and so on uh, i think rad scorpions were covered in there okay yeah um you've got your humanoid type so synths and raiders um something that's more more like the player mm -hmm. uh, and then you had the the higher level ones so these tend to only be spawned in the the red tiles the more dangerous areas uh, so that's the big stuff like your yao guai and yeah. your death claws your super mutants and all that um, good stuff yeah as you'd imagine the higher level creatures have a higher difficulty level and therefore a higher reward as well when you when you fight them um, some will have a ranged weapon, others will be purely melee, so if you're not in the same tile as them and you have a ranged weapon yourself, you can get a free shot off mm -hmm. at range, otherwise you're dealing with the difficulty as denoted by the little uh, enemy tile that is on the space that you're encountering. Yeah, the enemy tiles are fairly detailed, actually. You have a little picture of the enemy, the level that it is, which essentially will tell you how hard it is to kill, and then any rewards that you might get for killing said enemy. And combat is done by rolling those three really cool custom dice. And what you're trying to do is match the result on the dice to the result required on the enemy tile. 
And uh, if you do that a number of times according to its level, uh, the enemy will, will perish and you'll get the reward accordingly and you'll also get XP. Yeah, so uh, a random one I've pulled out here. A super mutant brute. It's got a difficulty of three, so you need to land three hits on it. And its highlighted area that you need to attack is its torso. So you roll those three dice and you need to get a combination of three chest areas uh, to do significant enough damage to take out that beast. If yeah. when if when you roll your dice, you also um, roll a, a side or a face of the dice, which has a little asterisk, the pip on it, you take uh, damage in response, and that's multiplied by the difficulty level of the enemy that you're fighting. So if you roll your three torso hits... Like, oh, only... great, I've, I've hit it three times, yeah, yeah awesome. Um, but you also, even if you've only got one pip showing on any one of those three faces... You then take three damage yourself because it's one pip multiplied by a difficulty of three. So if each of the dice that you rolled each showed your three torso hits, you killed it. Mm -hmm. But each of those also had a pip on it. That's three times three. So you take nine damage in return. So it's a hell of a slaughter of a fight. Oh, it's an absolute... Yeah, it's brutal. I really like that sort of simultaneous damage system. Very cool, very clever. Yeah, it's and, a new um, one to me. I, I found it quite in, uh, intriguing and interesting to see how that, that weighed out. Yeah, and you kind of have to um, manage your stats i guess or or um manage your probabilities by using re-rolls accordingly if you have um a certain weapons equipped which match your your special upgrades and your pit boy then you'll get extra re-rolls so you can re-roll those dice to try and get more favorable sides where you're taking less damage yeah, so, so that's the um, thing you had a, a knife or a laser pistol yeah um, i had a few things had, in the end. had yeah. an, an a on it um out of the 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 a for out of the special so agility um, so when you rolled your dice, you found a couple of them were quite damaging for you. Uh -huh. um, would have actually been worse for you to take those hits than to try and actually just kill it with what was on there. Mm -hmm. um, but because you had an A in your special and the weapon also had a, a matching A, you were able to re-roll the dice and get a, a more favorable outcome, which is a really interesting mechanic. And you, as you say, you've got that weighing up a probability of... Yeah guaranteed success at quite a cost versus a risk of failure. Mm-hmm but also not getting your arm ripped off. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really cool system. And um, I'm sure it's been done before, but I, in this particular configuration, um, I think it's quite unique. I think it's really, really cool. And uh, and it also makes the more dangerous enemies feel really dangerous because any hit they get on you is going to be nasty. Oh, yeah, it's terrifying. Um, I think the highest level of enemy that you can fight is a, a level four. Uh, at least I don't remember seeing it, and no, you might you might that. tell me higher than that. No, right? I think it's that. So yeah, um, not nasty. So yeah, if you if you roll and your your maximum HP as a regular character is only sixteen, so they can take anywhere between half and entirety nearly, of your health, nearly points. your entire uh, yeah. hits just by almost encountering them. At yeah, all. just by which is basically as you would imagine when encountering a death claw when playing the video game, yeah. will pretty much rip your arm off. There's a few different ways of healing up though, which. Uh, works quite well. I quite enjoyed being a ghoul because it means I didn't get irradiated at any point. I passed through um, one of the irradiated spaces on the map uh, or indeed some of the enemies themselves supposedly irradiate you. Mm. Um, as a ghoul, you'd imagine you actually... It heals you. Yeah, yeah you, really you cool. feel better. <laughs> Your maximum HP is limited to 12 instead of 16. Yeah. Uh, but it also means you never take rads. Rads immediately turn into health, so... You know, I don't know what everyone's so worried about just because uh, there's a, a nuclear crater down here. It's, uh, come on in, the water's lovely and yellow <laughs> and glowing. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's um, no, it's really cool, and it really helps play into each of those individual survivors' special abilities. And Tom, last uh, the last time we played with Tom, um, he was the super mutant, and whenever he entered rounds, he'd get XP, which is another interesting twist on it. Yeah, that was a really cool mechanic. I, I quite yeah, like sort that. getting bigger and more <laughs> mutated and crazy. Um, but yeah, fighting, really cool mechanic, um, really interesting, and, and, and never got boring for me. Other things that you can do on your turn is to do an encounter, and that's uh, when you're in a uh, specific location, when you flip over one of those tiles that you've explored, um, you see the super duper mart, you would then navigate to it, and then as one of your two actions on your turn, you can do an encounter, and you would draw the matching encounter from the two sort of generic encounter decks. Yeah, um, so you've got either the settlement or the wasteland, so it's either somewhere that's still currently inhabited, so you're more likely to encounter other humanoids, mm-hmm. um, otherwise it's a, a wasteland, a more ruined area, um, it's going to be far more, or potentially far more dangerous, mm-hmm. uh, each giving different rewards and benefits, uh, different risks also while you're you're in there. Should we segue a little bit and talk about those decks and then more widely the story decks, because for me this is the most beautiful part of the game and the game design. Yeah, this is what separates this game from a lot of other things we've played. So yeah, let's get into that. Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. So those initial, you start the game with um, only a few cards in each of those decks, the Wasteland Encounters and the Settlement Encounters. As Simon says, when you go and do an encounter action on one of those places, you'll draw one of those cards and it will have a scenario on it. So the player to your right will read out that scenario and he'll normally, or if not all, well, pretty much always, it will have several options. And you don't read the result of those options, you only read what those options are. And then the you, as the player, would choose which one you would like to do based on either your character or how you're playing the game. It will often involve a skill check of some kind. And then should you pass the skill check, it will give you a reward. And if you fail the skill check, it will give you some sort of penalty. Yeah, so very first example, uh, mission card number one. Uh, Essentially, you come across some some lost loot or something that's been left behind. Uh, You've got the option of leaving it because it's not yours. Why would you take it? Mm. You've got the option to take everything for yourself. Mm -hmm. Or you think that maybe you could take it and then donate it to someone more needful. Um, so if I was the player to the right and Wayne had chosen to do the encounter, I'd give him those three options. This clearly belongs to someone else. Leave it for them. Find your own loot. Take it all for yourself. Or donating this could earn you influence. It's the wasteland, mate. It's a dog eat dog world. I'm taking that stuff. Okay. So if he takes it all for himself, find his keepers, right? Yeah, right. Um, so Wayne will get loot uh, and caps equal to the value uh, to the level of the settlement so every settlement has a little indicator next to it one two three or four a bit like enemies uh, it's kind of the level of the area mm-hmm. um, so he'll get that as a, a multiplier um that one there's no no ben- uh, no penalty to that one in fact. Ah, so um, i picked a good one so if he chosen to leave the loot behind instead he would have still re- um, gained some loot anyway um but he'd also become idolized Ah. So because he did something a bit more beneficial generally he'd have uh, benevolent wouldn't, yeah. have got, wouldn't have got the caps but he'd have gained a different status which he may have wanted otherwise you do earn influence um, ah, okay you take what you can carry and yeah you you gain influence so it's an immediate benefit to the end game scoring yeah so amazing it's quite a good one yeah yeah pretty good one so you like i said you start with these a small amount of wasteland and a small amount of settlement encounters you also start the game with a 
major story card, so a major story encounter. And it's up to you whether you want to go and follow that and do that quest line, or if you just want to go to one of the settlements or one of the wasteland encounters and do those. But as you progress through the storyline, you will add more cards to the wasteland and to the settlement encounters. So those decks will grow bigger and more complex and have more stories and more scenarios in them. And as you complete the main objective, more cards will get added to that. It's such a cool system. Yeah, I'd never seen anything quite like it. It's it's a bit like Choose Your Own Adventure, but then very, very well structured in that it allows you to kind of, as you say, build this deck of storylines and story arcs uh, interlinking adventures if you do this here then this will change over here um, obviously being fallout fans as we are we immediately ignored the quest line and went off on side missions and hunting side quests, because yeah. you, you always do why would i do the main story when i can go and shoot a billion things and gain xp yeah for sure um, go uh grinding rad roaches or rescue <laughs> in the wasteland yeah and it's, it's a valid approach up to a point because yeah. you do gain xp and it will mean that the more experienced you are, the later challenges will become that much more likely to be uh, achieved. Yeah, and as we discovered, the more re-rolls you have, the more successes you're going to have. So Yeah, um, but you don't tend to get direct influence um, something towards your overall end goal Correct. outside of the main quest missions. So fairly soon on, you'll want to head and you'll, you'll start picking up on one or two of those threads and even within that first option that first story you've got two or three different options so you can go and investigate this thing here or you can follow up on this room over here and it kind of leads you to different places across yeah. the map it's really cool and when you complete those things it will have some keywords at the bottom of that saying add or trash or stage and to stage means to put out in public more quests to go and do to add means to add more quests to the two specific piles, either uh, wasteland or settlement piles. And to trash means uh, to get rid of that card from the game. So sometimes you'll do that quest and you'll literally remove the opportunity to do it for other players. Yeah, it'll close down that quest line. So um, anyone who's played the computer games will be familiar that if you do a certain thing for a certain person, mm-hmm. another NPC out there in the wastelands will go, oh. Oh, well, fuck oh, you. You've done that. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And you just kind of close off that loop. So It's yeah. really awesome. And when we played the game, we all ended up with our own storyline. I mean, Tom was uh, Dr. Super Mutant, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the weird um, drug kingpin doctor of the wasteland. He had some weird facility to either ignore drug effects or just carry, carry as much as he wanted. Drugs. And then, one, yeah, one of the storylines tied in perfectly at random but yeah it, it allowed him to become yeah this um, drug mule or something <laughs> drug kingpin lord of, uh, of of crime i was uh following the uh i think it was the, the railroad and trying to free the synths you were and then eric being the brotherhood of steel was trying to just hunt down synths and kill them all um, and i was just trying to make friends you I mean, were trying to, yeah you're in the in the vault you found this a hidden vault i've been to... outside for so long i just want to come and see what it's like inside and eventually they uh they voted me into their presidency it was just quite interesting uh, yeah that's really really cool and what i love about it they are all very well written the language is great the quest lines none of them broke um they mm. it, it really just Super clever interacting quest lines that I think obviously the, the big stack of quest cards is going to differ depending on the scenario um, that you play. Some of those you'll never see. But even when we were playing the game, there was uh, points where it says, okay, go into the big quest deck. It's like a storybook deck. Take out these cards, put these ones into play, but from the remaining ones, just trash them. You'll never get to see those. So 
really cool um and it lends itself to real um replayability because i want to see more stories in the game yeah i think that came in the the vault one that i was exploring i assumed that there were different characters probably yeah um I'm not entirely sure what was happening, but essentially I ended up getting voted as the next leader of the vault I managed to break my way into. They threw me out once. I got back in. So yeah, I assumed that ones that were that were trashed were different characters and each of those different characters would have had a different interaction with my character because they'll approach things differently. They'll yeah. want different things. They'll have different information. Uh, so one of the guys was a mechanic and he had a rumor about another vault so I could have chosen to leave the vault I was in and go off and find this supposed hidden treasure or whatever was in the other vault. Yeah. Or I can stay and gain more influence where I was. So I ended up doing the latter. Yeah. I had great fun kind of talking to the Medibot and chatting yeah. up the last overseer. <laughs> yeah, it was so cool. Such a brilliant piece of design. And it's one of the things I think that really lifts this game up. And again, it everything ties back to the Fallout video game series. There may be some um, characters that you remember from there or scenarios or quests that you might have done before or at least are reminiscent thereof. Everything is flavoured exactly that way. It makes it an adventure game. Yeah, um, it also includes all the, or not all of, but a number of the companions that you can have join you throughout the games. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you don't have to do it entirely on your own. You do get opportunities to have someone join you. Mm -hmm. They each have their own criteria to stay with you so if you act in a certain way or you do certain missions in a certain way uh, they won't stay with you necessarily it might Mm -hmm. be a one and done kind of thing you have them for this period of time and then they'll disappear and they leave yeah Um, otherwise it might be an ongoing benefit Uh, yes you do have dog meat in there as well which comes in handy for uh, enemy encounters and i think in certain charisma checks codsworth is in there you've got your mr gutsies who are Preston Out there Garvey. fighting for the Commonwealth. Yeah, really cool. And and yeah, McCready was in there, so obviously I had to pull up the uh, the clip with uh, you know Matt Mercer in there doing his oh, yeah. doing his thing. Matt Mercer doing Matt Mercer. Um, so yeah, that's the encounter action, and is probably where the vast bulk of the time of the game goes into reading those encounters and performing skill checks into those. Yeah, yeah, lots and lots of variability in there, and generally the thing that you'll be looking to do out, you know, outside of the general exploration. Once you've got gives somewhere, you the biggest rewards yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, you get huge amounts of rewards from some of those. Other things you can do related. So on your turn, you can do the quest action. Um, when we talked about some of those quest cards that come out in public, uh, some of those will say, for example, go to Diamond City and do the quest action. So that basically means to travel to that place and do the quest action as one of your two actions on your turn to resolve that quest. Some will be do the quest action and spend X amount of caps or do the quest action and do something else in order to resolve the quest. But both things essentially lead to the same result, you completing that part of the quest. Yeah, a very specific type of encounter that drives the main quest line forward. And finally on your turn, if everything's getting a bit too much, you can camp down. Um, which will mean you'll get some hit points back, but not rads, never rads, Um, but you'll get some hit points back. And let's talk about hit points a little bit because we haven't really talked about that. And again, this is a very clever system. And again, it's one of the things as part of the Pip-Boy which lifts this game up a little bit for me. On the left-hand side of the track at the bottom of your Pip-Boy, you have a green peg, and on the right-hand side, you have a red peg. The scale goes from 1 to 16. And... As you get rads, you take the green peg and you move it from the left um, to the right. And as you take damage, you take the red peg and you take it from the right to the left. And should the two meet or cross, 
you, your character dies and you respawn back at the home crossroads camp in the top left of the, of the uh, map and then you start again but you never ever reduce the amount of rads that you have so the next time you're out there taking damage it's going to be easier to then perish and then die and respawn again until such time as you can no longer get hit points above your rads in which case you are eliminated from the game very rare that that would happen but it's still a scenario that could happen and i really like this system i think it's really cool yeah i i say not as with a few other things in this game not something i'd seen in this design at all i've never seen anything quite like it mm. um obviously as i say i was playing the ghoul so i largely ignored that main concept but i know tom was creeping up there i think he got up because he was wanting to get uh the rats for, for the, the experience yeah uh, he was then slowly draining his ability to survive fights, um, although he did pretty well in the fights as well, to be honest. Um, there were, in very rare and specific circumstances, um, certain actions you could take to reduce the rads. I know I found a medibot deep in one of the vaults, which would have removed all rads. And there's rad away, I think, somewhere. Yeah, I think one of the very rare items that you could buy in the shop, should you come across the correct shop, allowed yeah. you to take something which would reduce it or at least temporarily diminish it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't an easy clean by any means. Um, so yeah, as you say, the, the more irradiated you get, the more time you spend out in the wasteland, uh, the harder it is it's going to be alive. to survive it's not yeah. that your overall health drops but no. the effectiveness of your health is is permanently diminished so. yeah really cool um loved how it worked and because like i said you only have 16 maximum health which reduces as you gain rads when you take damage from enemies which can like i say depending on the level can be anything from 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 one to to 16 and uh it can can be quite painful as someone says, there are items which will mitigate that, and we didn't really talk about that. When you do the settlement encounters, there's a chance that you'll find a shop, or one of the options that you'll pick in that encounter will lead you um, the chance to go shopping. And you have a replenishable shop at the top of the uh, board, um, which is essentially a, ser a set of cards, um, starting with four, and the encounter will either ask you to add more cards or take cards from that, and you get to pick from that set of cards, essentially, to add to your inventory. Yeah, so occasionally you'll get a, a follower up there, a companion. Um, more often you'll get weapons or basic supplies. Or drugs, lots of drugs. You've got your iconic stim pack in there, which yeah. is a good way of replenishing your health on Very a short good. rest. Gives you five HP straight away. Yeah. Um, I think there's a Brahmin stake, which yeah. I think it irradiated you as they do when you whenever you eat food, unless you have the lead belly perk. Um, so it gave you one point of radiation, but also healed you for an additional yeah. five or eight. It was HP. a shed load of HP. Yeah, um, I remember that. As a ghoul, I didn't really mind about the HP, yeah. uh, rather about the uh, the, the rad. rad. In actual fact, it just benefited me even more. So yeah, <laughs> I, I numbed away on that, and uh, yeah, I made great use of it with a, a trade. I think I'd sent the yeah. robot off over and switched something out with Eric's character. He gave him some mentats. Yeah. Um, the Mentats is kind of fun. Any of it, well, the large amount of the drugs, um, as in the main computer games, give you that cost benefit, uh, sort of risk benefit, risk reward, I risk guess, and or, reward. Yeah. That's the one I want. Um, so you get a benefit while you're using it, it allows you to take an extra action, or mm. you get an extra re roll on something, or it gives you a, a chance to get a plus one on something. 
Um, but then unless you fail the follow-up check, you immediately become addicted. Mm -hmm. uh, that will constantly hamper your ability to do anything else in the game until you yeah. manage to clear yourself. They'll say, like, well, you, you can no longer discard these drugs. They're constantly clogging up your inventory because yeah, you, you, you know, I just can't get rid of them. You've got to pay money for them or yeah. it fills up your inventory. You've got quite a limited inventory as you travel around. Um, so yeah, he's got some funny different mechanics in there. Some really fun items and stuff that really modifies how you play the game. Um, and like I said, you'll either get those through the shop or you get them as a reward for killing things or more likely through encounters. So let's talk about the theme. So Simon, does this game feel thematic and does the gameplay work together with the theme? Yeah, man. As soon as you open the box, the, the, the cover art of the classic Brotherhood of Steel um, T-45 armour menacing at you from it, um, you start looking at those uh, map tiles. You've got the, let's say, the Super Duper Mart. You've got the ruins that... Mm -hmm. Very familiar, or well, at least anyone who's played the game, very familiar um, setup. I'm not sure anyone who's not a fan of the computer games will maybe get quite so much out of it. Um, I don't think you'd, it, it doesn't appeal, I th I'd be honest with you. I mean, immediately, if you don't pl play the Fallout games, this wouldn't, I don't think I'd recommend it to you because there's, there's too many references in, in the board game that you kind of need to understand. Yeah, I think it makes an assumption that you're familiar at least with the the game world that exists Correct. as as Fallout in its entirety as a historical computer game. I'd agree. Uh, I think mechanically the game will still be absolutely playable. Obviously, um, oh, I think for you sure. just, I think we just get far more from it. You know, we we flip a tile and we see a Yaogui and go, oh no, it's a. I know exactly what that is. I know what it can do. Yeah. I think if you're not familiar with it outside of having played the computer games, you maybe lose out on some of that. Yeah. As a fan, though, and I can't imagine anyone really playing this or owning this outside of already being an existing fan of the Fallout world. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it really plays well into that, as as we've mentioned already. That that player board, the the Pit Boy mm -hmm. style special deck, mm -hmm. really cool, simple but iconic. Um, mm -hmm. And every card that you pick up's got some nice, fun little detailing on there. Mm -hmm. um, all ties in really well, I think. No, you're, I 100% agree with you. The artwork is uh, absolutely reminiscent. They've got that bang on the money. All the, the colorization specifically with these sort of muted blues, greys, greens um, to give you that flavor of uh, that post-apocalyptic wasteland. That in conjunction with the, um, the Pip-Boy uh, player board and the amazing story deck. Yeah, it's uh, it's Fallout through and through. They've, they've got it dripping. It's dripping in that, in that vibe. I think they've nailed it. Okay, let's talk about the gameplay flow. What do you think of the turn length uh, of Fallout? I mean, I I think it went round at a fair clip, to be honest with you. I think they span round really well, yeah. Um, almost always you'll be moving either at the beginning or end of your turn because you don't tend to stay in one spot too often. Um, and yeah, you generally have a good idea, uh, especially if you're looking ahead and understanding what's going on with the other players. You know that you're going to be looking to get to that place and do that encounter. You'll be looking to fight that raider encampment that you camped out next door, uh, next door to at the end of your previous turn. So you're mm. as healthy as you can be. Everything's prepped. Um, the fights themselves, as we've said already, it's one set of dice rolls mm -hmm. that determine both your hits uh, for and against you, unless you get any extra additional re rolls. But even then, it's just three dice being yeah. being picked up and dropped fairly quickly. The quest items, because it involves the group um because it's developing the storyline that's happening in the environment mm -hmm. all rolls around really well and you're constantly invested with what's going on not yeah. just on your turn but oh you found the synths over there oh well that's now going to steer me in this direction mm -hmm. 
or it's going to reveal this next set of cards which will say oh yeah the thing that's just behind you that you thought was of no interest is now the next crucial plot point yeah um so yeah it's, it's all because you're constantly invested uh it's always active you're, you're always paying attention and even then it gets back around to your turn pretty damn quick yeah the turns go quickly if you move and explore for example that's a very quick turn if people do that on their turn then that, that happens pretty quickly i suppose um yeah, I think the turn length and the gameplay flow was very nice. It only ever really slowed down when you're doing the storyline cards with the choices and things and the rolling. But even then, like you said, people are invested in that story because the, the, A, they're well-written and the choices are fun. And seeing mm. what the players are going to choose and how they react to it is is interesting. And uh, seeing what, what reward or penalty they might get when they when they pass or fail was really cool. Yeah, to have that that background information when you're not the player taking the turn, but the one reading for the next player around. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Um, obviously, I enjoy doing a bit of a voiceover mm. each time. So mm-hmm. uh, even just <laughs> purely reading out the card yeah. in various accents is always amusing. And um, yeah, then as you say, you you get to know what will happen mm. uh, for each choice. So you kind of you like hold your breath. Shardin Freud going. Oh, I kind of hope that they choose this one because uh, I know they're going to get screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's something we didn't talk about, but um, when everyone has their turn, you essentially flip over one of the um, influence cards and you activate certain enemies and then the enemies will move around the map as well. So that's just another little mechanic which is quite interesting and will essentially uh, make the game board fluctuate a little bit with how the enemies will move and they'll always target the nearest player. Um, So like in, in my scenario, there was a point where I was getting absolutely surrounded yeah, I think you had a bloat fly and a super mutant and a railroad agent all hounding you else. in one turn. Yeah, everything was on me. And some of those you couldn't avoid. Some of them you can you kind of step around the fight. Other times they're coming for you because they know you're there. So that's exactly cool. that. What do you think about the complexity? You know, we normally have our normal sort of complexity scale. How would you, where would you put it on the one to five? I personally would stick this further down to two. Yeah, I was aiming somewhere between two and three. Uh, I suppose some of the quest choices might be might feel more complex but in terms of actual the how the game is played i don't think it's it's very de- uh, difficult at all there is yeah the mechanical complexity of the game is sort of average but also more to the point there's not a huge amount of strategic or tactical crunch you normally quite clear what you want to achieve and on a given turn i mean i never felt like i was in a place where i was like oh gosh what do i do it's not like you. It's a very character and adventure driven game. So I'm like, well, I'll, I'll do this because this uh, this benefits my character, and I think this is what he's going to do most likely. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with that. There's there's not really any player versus player in that sense. No. So you don't, you know, you're not fighting against. If anything, it's just a, it is that as you say that points race to see mm. not who chose the correct path. There's multiple paths and forever changing paths to how mm. you win. So yeah, I think it's it's a an easier to get into get i mean this this is my first and only time playing so far and i didn't struggle at all with how it worked or what i was expected to do at all no it very much just dive into that characterization as we love to do and Mm. start almost role playing the game yeah and i think that's important to note um this is such an adventure driven game and i think if you really get into that and and play the character and find the quest that you like it's uh it adds another level to it we all i mean we all had fun playing it and yeah, I fully had a blast with that sort of role-playing side of it. So what do you like most about Fallout, Simon? It should be fairly obvious. I think we're both wax lyrical about this. It is that branching storyline option, the, the yeah. way that the quest decks are built and everything spreads out. Obviously, the overall uh, design of it is, is quite pleasing mm. as a fan of the Fallout world. 
Um, but yeah, the, the way these quest decks are built and if this happens, then this or this. And if these are in play, then this on this is also an option. Um, just this, this crazy way of building these stories um, between the group, really. It's, it's really just a solo person going down a route. It's two or three players interacting to cause different events to cascade. Mm. Um, mm. I think that's a really... I kept waiting for it to not work, mm. but it always did. I was yeah. always expecting it to say pull out card whatever and i'm thinking well how the hell have they designed this that it never crashes into itself and it it never did so just a a great piece of game design there yeah that story deck 100 percent with you i'm on board with that how it lends itself to characterizing your 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 little survivor the different choices and and how each of those is is highly thematic how the smaller wasteland and settlement decks build up and get thicker as you go through the main storyline and add more cards to those two decks, So, which makes all of the encounters more varied and all of the encounters that you might have in the Wasteland more interesting. That combined with uh, the, the special board and how flavorful that is, uh, is is really one of probably my favorite thing about this game. It, is, it, it reeks of Fallout and the adventure deck is, is brilliantly written and, and a great piece of design. I suppose if I'm going to have any criticisms of this game, and I'll mention it because I mentioned it briefly at the beginning of the episode, is the end of the game is unsatisfactory to me because it comes out of nowhere when everyone's enjoying the quest lines and we all said at the table at the end of the game, man, I wish I could just have finished this quest or I want to see some more stories. Yeah, I, I kind of expected the the criteria, the, the number of influence points required to end the game. I kind of expected that to be higher, although we'd probably played for an hour and a half easily. Oh, longer than that. Um, yeah, we played a while. But yeah, we were all very happy to just keep going, well, yeah, let's just keep exploring. Let, I think we had three or four uh, tiles that we hadn't even flipped over, so that's yeah. kind of a, a quarter of the board we'd not looked at. And the, I mean, we've sat looking at this deck, which is, you know, these are these are thin playing cards, essentially, very thin, almost plasticized. They, the stack is over two inches thick. Um, it's a huge amount of playing cards. There's 160, I think, in there, um, each having a specific quest action in there. So it's it's not a simple, you know, this does this. It's the very detailed and story-driven thematic stuff, as we've covered. We all just sat there going, man, I wish I could just keep going on this just to see where that, as you say, that particular quest line that uh, was going, where that story ends up. I think, yeah, that speaks as a positive to the writing. Yeah. And, yeah, like I said, and, and simultaneously to um, a negative to, to the ending of the game. I feel like there's no there's no way to stop or slow someone down once they start progressing to then, you know, achieve uh, your goal in advance of them. You can, you're only ever in control of your influence points and your influence cards. Yeah, um, with, with the exception of the, as I say, the, the tracks for, or in, this, in the version we played, the Railroad versus the Institute, one of my influence cards was based on how far ahead one or the other Correct. was. So unless you can directly change how that uh, that alignment currently is, mm. which didn't seem super obvious to me, I could probably uh, benefit could mine more, but I don't think I can get theirs any less. So if they've sprung ahead, Correct. All, you can't pull someone back yeah. uh, to slow um, so them down. Yeah, as you say, it's, it's more of a, a race of how you progress your one. You can't stop anyone else, but that's fine. It, it's, yeah. I think that would probably make it more complicated and possibly it would extend the time yeah you're quite right but um yeah that's the only real thing that bugged me is just that the end kind of comes out of nowhere right when you're enjoying all of the quest lines but overall um if you're a fan of fallout i would thoroughly recommend this game yes very much it is in in any way you could pull out from the computer game the essence of fallout 
and stick it on a tabletop. I think this is the best example. Thanks for listening to Board Stupid. Subscribe to us for updates and to get future episodes of the show delivered directly to your ear holes via your favourite podcast service. You can also find us on facebook.com slash stupidboardnerds. That's B-O-A-R-D. I think I've taken too many too many rads too many rads for that one. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, you can find it on Twitter at BoardNerd B-O-A-R-D and we're on Spotify Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts Podbean Podcasts Addict Stitcher and Anchor.fm slash BoardStupid B-O-A-R-D wherever you can find your favourite podcast flavours you can find BoardStupid. Do us a massive favour share our podcast give us a five star review if you know someone that might like it please do ping them a link. If you've got any feedback, comments, or questions, stick it in the comments below. We would love to hear from you. Have you played Fallout? Have you played the video games? Um, If you have, we would thoroughly recommend you play this. Uh, And if you've played them both, how do you think that they uh, match up? Do you think they did a good job, um, Fantasy Flight? So thanks for listening. We'll catch you again real soon. War. War never changes.